Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. I'm excited to spend the next 45 minutes with my friend Esther Littlefield and have y'all get to know her. Esther and I met online. We were online friends before we were in real life friends, and we were connected through somebody y'all know if you've listened to season one or two of the podcast and have heard sweet Angela Sackett's voice. Angela connected uh, me to Esther through a mastermind group, and so we've actually had a chance to be online face-to-face in our mastermind groups every two weeks for the last two years. Yeah. Practically. Right. Yes. right? And <laughs> then awesome. you've actually been in my shed and we had our mastermind retreat here and got to spend time together in real life. So Esther, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Lisa. I'm so excited to be here and uh, happy to be able to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to have an hour here to just see you face to face again. <laughs> since this was not a mastermind week. So maybe even before we go get started, we should tell people what a mastermind group looks like. Yeah. So you started this mastermind group, right? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. What was your motivation in doing that? Well, it was when I was getting back into writing and I really wanted to grow my blog and uh, I was just diving into all the things I could learn about. And one of the things I came across was this idea of a mastermind, which is basically a group of people that are um, usually it's it's usually business related. There might be some that are not always business related, but in this case, I wanted other women who were Christian who wanted who had a business and were seeking to grow and uh, collaborate together with their with their efforts and with their different ideas and come together on a semi regular basis and share and give a chance to ask questions, give a chance to provide feedback. And it's been amazing how that has grown all of our businesses in just incredible ways over the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. So t- I want to um, give the structure of what we do. But before we do that, tell everybody what your business currently looks like. Okay. And, and writing. Yeah, sure. What, what is it that you're doing? Okay, so I have two things that I do. One is I write at estherlittlefield.com. So that's the blog I was referring to. It wasn't always that uh, name, but I transitioned it this year to my name. And I also have a podcast associated with that. So that's the Christian Woman Leadership Podcast. And that is really all of that content. The podcast and the blog are geared towards Christian women who are leading in ministry or business and who desire to grow in their faith and in their leadership. Mm. So that's one. And then the other thing is Morningstar Media Services. And that is my business where I'm actually transitioning to focusing on supporting podcasters or business owners who want to start a podcast, who need help with either the strategy and the launching or the ongoing maintenance of the podcast. All, as you know, as a podcaster, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And so some people, if they are, you know, if they have a large business and they're very busy, they want someone to handle that for them. So that's what we do with Morningstar Media Services. That is awesome. And so it's been fun for me because when we first met, it was before all of those pieces kind of came together. And so 
for those who are like, how do I start a mastermind like this? Well, the format Esther laid out for us is that we meet uh, twice a month for an hour live. It used to be Google Hangouts. Now we're in Zoom. Yeah. And then in that hour, uh, everybody shares a win. So there it's been as many of eight of us, I guess, in the mm-hmm. group at one time. Now we're down to four. And so we share, we go out around and share a win. And then we share how we've done on our goals, which the goals are the ones that we set from the previous meeting. And then somebody's on the hot seat. Yeah. And when you're on the hot seat, you're able to take like five or 10 minutes and say, here's what I need help on. And then you get feedback from everybody else in the group. And then we move into sharing our goals and a resource. Right. Um, and that's what we end with. And we, we really do stick to that hour. Yeah. Yeah. We stick to the hour because everybody is busy and has a lot full schedules. So we try yeah. to stay within that time to keep us, keep ourselves structured and, um, moving forward. So, right. And I know for me, like the mastermind group was where I got the vision to do the ignite missional marketing course mm-hmm. that came off the ground because of that. Um, I'm trying to think what else came out of that. The podcast. Oh, the podcast. <laughs> the podcast, <laughs> the podcast. Came it came when we were meeting in your shed that time. That's we, right. You, you had the idea of the podcast and we were like, do it. Do it, do so. it. And, and I and I roped Angela in. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Angela and all of those mastermind groups that that followed, right. And now it's a year and a half, almost a year and a half later since that time. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's amazing. So, and that was only like a couple of hot seats because with the mm-hmm. rotation, the way it goes, I, I've also learned a lot of resources from being in our group, which yeah. I guess from a leadership perspective, talking about the women that you're serving. And also because we serve a lot of women who are in leadership, uh, women who are pastor's wives like you are and who are in um, women's ministries that are formerly in a church, running their own business and ministries outside of a church context. Uh, the value of this like kind of accountability and this camaraderie, we don't all share the same tribes. Right. Right. We all come from different perspectives but the kind of growing together and, and stewarding something on purpose has been really meaningful. Yeah. It's been so beneficial for me just to have the different perspectives, like you said, and just pushing myself to continue to learn and to be open to different ideas within my business. And I think the thing that's been unique about this is that we're all believers Mm -hmm. and there's times where we just literally stop our meeting and pray. Yeah. And that's been so powerful to see, you know, yes, we're business owners, but we're, we're, we're able to incorporate our faith and use that in our meetings openly. Yeah. That's a, sometimes I felt bad because I'm like, all right, we need to pray right now. We yeah. can't keep on, we can't keep marching on whoever yeah. is in the hot seat is a hot mess. And we're, yeah. like, we're not going to have any productivity if we don't bring this to Jesus first. So, yes. so it's nice to be able to have the freedom to do that. I'm sure not every mastermind has that. Right. Opportunity. Yeah. And we have a Facebook group. So right. as we go from point A to point B, we end up sharing like asking for feedback, sharing resources, asking for prayer. That's been a pretty vital place to keep our contact going between meeting times. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) So you haven't always been passionate about leadership. How did your life journey begin and Mm -hmm. how did you get to today as we coaching? (laughs) 
So I'll, I'll try to summarize as much as I can, but um, I grew up, I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, <clears throat> both my grandparents, my mom's uh, father was a pastor. And he, so, you know, faith was big in their family. And on my dad's side, his parents were missionaries. <clears throat> so I grew up always knowing about God, always believing in God. Um, I don't even remember specifically a, a conversion story for myself because I, yeah, I know there was one. <laughs> I just don't remember the specific moment because it was honestly just a part of my life always. Uh, so growing up, we moved around a lot. My dad had a lot of different jobs. And so we moved around quite a bit. And my parents had some struggles in their marriage, so it was not a perfect scenario at all. And when uh, when I was in junior high, we finally bought our first home, which was a trailer. And it was super exciting because we finally settled down and I was happy to stop moving around and, and jumping from different schools and all of that. And um, <clears throat> the following, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> the following year uh, in my eighth grade year, um, something happened that really changed my life. And that was, so we were out driving. It was a really nice warm spring day. And my dad allowed one of my friends to drive our Jeep. So uh, my dad had been holding on to the back of the Jeep. And as my friend was driving, uh, he lost control of the vehicle and my dad was thrown off the back of the Jeep. And um, the next day he was taken off life support. His, his brain was not functional. Um, and so in a matter of 24 hours, you know, my, my life completely changed. And uh, we went through, you know, a long period of grief. And so my mom became a single mom. My sister and I became fatherless. And so obviously that, that year was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I was 13 at the time. And I think that was really when my faith became my own mm. because before that it was pretty easy to believe in God, even though things weren't perfect. Um, I still, you know, it was, it was just, there had never been something tragic that I had experienced. And so when that happened, it really forced me to consider why do I believe in God? Is God good? You know, those big questions that we struggle with when we go through a trauma. Um, I just happened to go through it at a fairly young age and high school years were uh, a challenge in that I think I continued to search for some kind of male relationship that um, could fill that spot that my dad yeah. had left. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't always make the best choices in that, but um, God was faithful and God, God kept me um, and God brought me to my husband, who I'm now married to. Um, my senior year in high school, I met him and we dated all through college and I got married right after college to him. Um, and so he is now a pastor. He became a pastor, a youth pastor, a couple years into our marriage. We had started by volunteering at the church and, you know, getting involved. And then when the youth pastor left, he was able to take that role. And he's now an executive pastor. And we have a daughter who is now 10. Wow. So, um, and even, even that, you know, I, I glazed over that real quick, but my husband and I dated for four and a half years, but when you're dating, it's very different from when you get married. Right. right. <laughs> and we discovered after we were married, just how different we were. Yeah. And we have had, uh, some struggles in our marriage, even when he was in the pastoral role as a youth pastor, um, 
and before our daughter was born and right after, those were some rough years. And they were some years where we were not able to communicate very well. We were um, both working a lot and trying to make ends meet and um, just kind of not seeing eye to eye, not being on the same page mm -hmm. and both feeling unappreciated. And yeah. so there was a real time for me where I was struggling with, you know, this is not how it was supposed to turn out. <laughs> this is yep. not what I was envisioning, right? I went from seeing my parents struggle and, and wanting to not have that in my marriage to, we weren't having the same struggles, but we were having struggles. And I was wondering, are we even going to make it? Yeah. Um, and even though divorce was never an option in my mind, <laughs> when we were in the, in the difficult years, it was, it was something that I thought of because yeah. I didn't feel, I, I felt kind of hopeless. Yeah. So yeah. my passion now, now that we've come out of that is seeing how hard it was for me as a pastor's wife, not really feeling like I had anywhere to turn because I was in leadership and my husband was in leadership and it was kind of hard to admit that you're having problems when you're in leadership. Yes. And uh, so my passion became for women specifically to encourage them in the ways that they could take care of themselves, in the ways that they could improve their marriage or that they could you know, grow as a leader and avoid some of those problems that I had had because mm -hmm. a lot of what I was doing was relying on my husband to make me happy instead of looking to God to fulfill. Just like in high school when I was looking for these other relationships yeah. to fulfill me instead of fully turning to God and fully allowing God to heal me of that loss from my father. Um, I think I was doing the same thing to my husband and I was oh. expecting him to make me happy. And yes, I still had strong faith. I was still you know, I was still in the word, I was still turning to God, but in the back of my mind, my husband was supposed to be the one to, to make me happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so out of that came this, this passion to start writing and, and blogging about some of that. And that's kind of where the, the ministry of Esther Littlefield began. <laughs> yeah. Because you have a marriage course. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I'm passionate specifically about marriage for women in leadership, especially because again, I saw for myself, now I know there are other resources out there, but for me in the moment, I couldn't seem to find anything that mm -hmm. where someone could truly understand what I was dealing with. And I get um, a lot of women that come to my blog and read and, you know, will email me and tell me, and, and the things that they say to me are the exact same things I was feeling when I was going through yeah. that time. Yeah. So I know that that's a struggle for, for women. So yeah, I, I have a passion to help other women and encourage them that there is hope and that there is a way out. There is not out of the marriage, but there's a way yeah. out of this darkness. And part of it is turning fully to, to rely on Jesus for your fulfillment instead of trying to lean on other people to yeah. be that source. Yeah. So. I thank you. Thank you for sharing. You, you know, I've grieved the loss of your father with you when you told me that story mm -hmm. a year and a half ago. And I've often looked at you and, and your sister thinking how one, one pivotal event changes the trajectory of your entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that certainly did. And yet I can see God's redemptive hand in it, in, in you that 
you're like, okay, here was, here was a need that I tried to falsely meet. And once I realized it, I'm, I'm heading in a new direction. And, and now you're a woman who campaigns for that for other women. Yeah. Um, and I do think that there is this natural connection between you being passionate about marriage and being passionate about women in leadership because women in leadership attend to, if I may say so, as a woman in leadership <laughs> who has a wounded past, we tend to fall into the trap of having our needs falsely met. And if it's not in our marriage, it's in our accomplishments or it's in our productivity or it's in our you know, pursuit of, of something that we, we don't consciously say, well, once I get there, I'll feel better about myself. Right. It's only when we end up there that we realize, well, that didn't meet the need I thought it was going to need, meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. what are you going to say? Go ahead. Well, I, I would say the, the time where things started to transform in my marriage was when I started saying, okay, I cannot control what my husband does. Mm-hmm. I can't control what anyone else around me does. I can only control what I do and how I respond to these situations. And yeah. so I started really investing in myself in the sense of I'm going to spend time in the word and seek God for what I can, you know, everything, turn to him for everything. I'm going to take care of my body and my physical health as much as I can. I'm going to be proactive about relationships and friendships and the people where I enjoy, you know, I enjoy going to a Bible study or going to a friend's house um, and not, not to neglect my marriage, but just to realize that if I wasn't doing those things, nobody else was going to do them for me, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> and, right. and yeah. And really recognizing that it wasn't my husband's responsibility to make me happy, but that God actually wanted me to be happy and that God wanted to fill up that need and allow me to have joy, even though my circumstances weren't the best that they could be, you know? Right. Right. It's a, it's that mindset shift. We, we went through that. I mean, our, I'll give my like marriage version. I don't think I've ever actually really talked about it very much on the podcast, but when Stephen and I were getting, when we started dating, it was six months after less than six months, like four months after I became a believer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was, we prayed for like the first four months of our relationship. God, if we're not supposed to be together, break us up because Mm. we were afraid that if the relationship didn't make it, it would impact my faith. And, and so we were about six months into our dating relationship and stopped praying that prayer. And a year and a half later, we were engaged. And six months later, we were married. When, when Stephen proposed to me, my dad was living in our basement and my mom had first floor of the house because my dad had filed for divorce the May, uh, like a week after my graduation from college. Wow. And I, I, I thought they were so happy that week. It didn't, it's totally blindsided. And yet I'd spent my whole life prepared for my parents to end up in a divorce. But that week, I really believed it would never happen. And so my parents filed for divorce. Stephen proposed at Christmas the following year or that, that Christmas. And my mom asked if we wouldn't get married until after their divorce was final. Mm. And Stephen and I said, that could be years. Like we're not, we're getting married in July. I mean, we just made that decision. And, right. and part of 
what was happening, you could look back and see it. He was rescuing me from a very toxic situation. And I was running to him as my knight in shining armor. Yeah. And, and so we ended up getting married. My parents were in the middle of a horrid divorce that lasted three years. The first couple of years of our marriage, there was no support system around us whatsoever. I mean, we were literally, you might've taken as well, just taken these two 20 somethings and plopped them down in the middle of like a field <laughs> and said, have fun, you know, figure out how to fend for yourself. Like there was no support. Mm. Our peers were our only community. And then a year later, we ended up, a year after we got married, we ended up at the boarding school. And so then all this community kind of came around us. And I was looking at all these marriages and what was happening to me all the time was this trigger of like, that's not what my parents' marriage looked like. How do I get there? And I would put these expectations on Stephen, like a good husband should be leading devotions with his wife every night before bed. Oh yeah, and, that's what I wanted to. Right, right, right. <laughs> and pray and praying oodles and oodles of prayer right. over her. Like right. Every time every time they every time you meet together, right? You're gonna have a prayer <gasps> together. Yeah, right, right. You know, like a, a good husband should do fill in the blank. It was always like this, a good husband should. Mm-hmm. And then that was combined with these vows of I will never, like I will never do it. I will never do this that my mother did. I will never do this that my father did. I will never have a marriage that's this. And so one of my vows was that I would always have a husband who put his children to bed at bedtime because my dad worked really long hours, was never home at bedtime. And I had decided that was part of their marriage failing. Mm. So fast forward like seven years into our marriage and Stephen is, uh, he's got a meeting one evening a week. He takes on teaching AP and the AP lab met one night a week. And you know, hot mess Lisa right here. (laughs) I was like, that's it. It's like the beginning of the end. And we were fighting and I was, my anger, it was before I had gone into counseling for healing from my anger. And I mean, I was a, Christian woman by faith who showed up at church with her Bible in hand, who might have been Tilla the Hun at home. Like I was just awful. I was awful. I was angry. I was critical. I was bitter. I was resentful. I was prepared to choose divorce. If at, at, you know, we said we'd never say the D word, but my brain was thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Right. Because this is what I didn't sign up for this. This isn't turning out how I thought it would turn out. And I'll never forget. Stephen said one night we were having a fight and he, he said, you'll never be happy with my job. No matter what I do, it will never be good enough for you. And those are fighting words. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, And thankfully I was tender enough to the Lord at that point. The next morning after I mean, we went to bed mad at each other, I'm sure. And there, there I thought I was wrong because you're not supposed to let the sun go down in your anger. So I was like, I'm really a horrible Christian woman now. <laughs> and, and the next morning as I sat with the Lord, I'm like, what is the deal? He's like, I've given you what you want. It just doesn't look like how you framed it. And I was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean, Lord? And he's like, this man is having breakfast with you and the children every day of the week. He walks them to the bus. He picks them up at the bus in the afternoon. He's faithful. He's attentive. He's committed. Like 
so what he doesn't show up at bedtime two nights a week it's because he's working to put the roof over your head and to provide for those things that you need and, and the lord really like i i felt like i got you know uh, spiritual spanking so to speak <laughs> and and said okay what am i supposed to do and he said start giving thanks every time steven's not present when you want him present and so i would tuck the kids into bed on lab nights and and i mean the kids were little they were like six four and the twins were babies i mean yeah. this was an intense time of life and i would pray with the girls God, please be with Stephen, be with daddy tonight. May he have joy in his teaching and interaction with those kids. And Stephen would come home and he literally would say, it was so much fun tonight. I can't believe the joy I have from working with those kids. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I hear you, God. Yeah. It was yeah. hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the expectations, right? I think you said something about basically how you thought it was going to be. And that's the same for me. I, I had a picture mm -hmm. of what I thought it would be. And that's not to say that there weren't, I mean, we definitely had problems. Like we definitely needed some help. And, and the one thing that I will say too, that we did is we finally reached out and got some counseling, yes. <laughs> which really we should have done earlier than we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I always encourage people, if you're at a place where you can't you just having the same cycle over and over in your marriage, you probably need to get some outside help too. Yeah. Um, because yes, there's, you know, you as the wife can make some changes in yourself, but there still might be issues in the relationship that need to be worked on right. um, that you need support around. But some, for me, it was a lot and it's still, it's still a struggle. Sometimes there's still yeah. days where I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to be happening right now. <laughs> I know. I know. And sometimes it's personality. Mm -hmm. I've talked about that before. And, and I know you have on your Christian Women Leadership podcast, you've done a whole great series on the Enneagram. And that would be a great thing for listeners to like tune into. Um, but then it's also circumstances. So you, right. you said get counseling. I'll never forget. I was in the throes of women's ministry at church. This was probably now like four years later from that, maybe even further down the road from that moment. And uh, I didn't have a car that night. And so an, the older gal on the team drove me home and she said to me, how's your marriage doing? She just kind of came right out and asked, how's your marriage doing? And I said, actually, we're like having a hard time. And, and she said, you guys need to go for counseling together. And I'm like, Stephen is not an advocate for counseling at that point. Now he is, but yeah. back then he's like, what do you need to go talk to somebody for? And and I said that I pushed back on her and she's like, listen, you both don't have a, a dad to talk to about this. You both don't have, you know, a unified parental marriage on either side of our families for help. Yeah. Our church was in the middle of a leadership crisis and split. Like literally our pastor resigned about three months after that conversation. And uh, at the same time, the school that we were serving at was also in the middle of chaos. So there was chaos all around us that was causing chaos within us right. at that point. And I walked in the door and I said, so, so-and-so said, we need to go for counseling. And he's like, okay, make an appointment. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> which was, I'm convinced the hand of God and the Holy Spirit moving in this sister, this older sister of mine, saying, this is what you need. And we started counseling, I think, two weeks later. And one of the great principles that impacted us as a family unit, which has been the source of stability for me in leadership, was the counselor said to Stephen, your strengths are so strong that they dominate over her greatest weaknesses. Which was interesting because personality-wise, I'm the strong and fierce and Steven's the peacemaker <sighs> and the one that gets along with people so easily. I'm the one always in conflict. But his strength of loyalty and endurance and perseverance and uh, emotional, like not being tossed around, uh, I can't measure up to that. I just, I'm not wired that way. And so yeah. to keep at it to, to his degree, I used to say, I felt like Steven's the guy on the Titanic where the ship is going down. And he says to me, just go get into the lifeboat. You'll be fine. I have to rescue these 10 other people. I'm like, I'm drowning here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the one takeaway from that season in counseling that was super helpful because now all I have to do is say, all right, throw me a life preserver. And he's like, oh, yeah. we're at that. We're at that. Okay, let's take a, a check-in. So what are some of the things that you and your husband have been able to like adapt or do yeah. differently because of what you learned over the years together? Yeah, so I think um, w the first thing that really made a difference in our marriage when we finally went and asked for help was recognizing that neither of us were feeling appreciated by the other mm -hmm. and that we we experience appreciation differently. And Whoa. so for me to feel appreciated, I needed my husband to support me in the home and by doing things with me or for me around the home and to spend time with me. And it's it's the love languages, right? It's yeah, the, yeah. the top love languages. Mine are acts of service and quality time are my top two. And for him, one of the things that he needed was he needed to feel respected and mm. to feel appreciated verbally. Mm. And so what was happening was the cycle of me not feeling like he was helping out or supporting me in the home, or he would spend his evenings either working in his business or kind of going off and doing something on his own when I wanted to spend time together. And so that would make me angry. And then I would be verbally angry towards him, which would then make him feel yeah. unappreciated, which would make him feel less inclined to do or spend any time with me. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so we were in that. And I feel like the way you just described you and Steven is like me and Scott to a T. Yeah. I'm yeah. the very assertive, go-getter, fierce person He's a peacemaker, laid back, chill as can be. Yep. Drives me crazy sometimes, but he also keeps me grounded. So that would be the second thing. After learning how to appreciate each other and learning that I needed to appreciate him even when I didn't feel like it. Yeah. Even when I did not feel appreciative, I still needed to find ways to verbally thank him for the little things, the yeah. things that I just thought, oh, you should just do those things because that's normal, right? Right. Because to me, it doesn't matter. Somebody can tell me thank you a million times um, and, and that doesn't impact me as much as if they come hang out with me or if they actually do something for me to show me. So 
The second thing is, is our personalities. And when we started learning more about different personality frameworks and how we were differently wired, it really opened our eyes to why we have some of these conflicts. Yeah. And like I was just pointing out, like with the Enneagram, you know, our, our types are very different and there's, there's obvious points of conflict with the different types um, or Myers-Briggs, you know, we've looked at yeah. a couple different ways of going about it, but we've recognized, okay, it's okay that we're different. It's okay that we naturally have a, I naturally have a bent toward action and towards getting stuff done and towards being success oriented. And he naturally has a bent towards being relaxed and being a peacemaker and being really good with just hanging out with people and chatting. And I'm like, come on, we got to get stuff done. Let's, let's go, you know, (laughs) I'm the taskmaster. So it's okay that we both have those natural tendencies, but we need to recognize them as strengths that can complement one another instead of reasons to be in conflict with each other. Right. Right. So, yeah. I think it's interesting because I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about the kind of these two pillars that we're talking all about marriage. We had no idea we were going to talk about that. We didn't even plan this. plan. No. <laughs> um, but that's the biggest probably tension point for us as Christian women in leadership, because the very essence of who we are as leaders and the strength we are as leaders that we, we launch things, we grow things, we maintain things, we tell people how to do things. Uh, in the context of a biblical marriage, really hard. Yeah. Uh, because either we don't feel like the, the godly Christian woman is, what is she, <laughs> you know, the gentle and, and, and submissive, submissive and quiet right. little woman, right? And, and yet, what does that look like when you're a leader? Yeah. But also, we've attracted the opposite of our personalities. And in marriage, that doesn't necessarily fit the roles Right. The stereotypical roles very well. Right. Yeah. 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 And we've had to work through that. And I think we're at a place now where we are comfortable with who we are and the way we're the way we're designed. And my husband is still a leader. He's just a very different style yep. of leader than I am. Yes. And um and we respect one another, but he he has come to a point where he values my input and values my, uh, you know, like he comes to me for advice because I am much more decisive and much more able to be like, well, this is what we should do. And I can just kind of make a decision and make a plan. And he has a lot more back and forth. And Mm -hmm. so we compliment each other, but like you said, it doesn't always look the way (laughs) that we think it's supposed to look Mm -hmm. from whatever, wherever we get those stereotypes or those, uh, perceptions. Um, but for us, we have found that it's actually, we can lead together very effectively when we allow each other to be who God made us yeah. to be. That's awesome. I agree. I agree. And, mm-hmm. and the definition of leadership, right? I mean, you're saying your husband is leading. Stephen has led and continues to lead. I think what really made me pay attention to that was that uh, in that season of crisis, not long after that, uh, Stephen was a kind of appointed to a leadership role that was because as people would come up and say to me, when Stephen talks, we listen because he doesn't have a lot to say. So if mm-hmm. he's going to say something, we all know we need to pay attention to it. And uh, that's a form of leadership. It's, yeah. it's quiet. It's a quiet strength as opposed to a out front 
in your face. Yeah. Kind of stress. And I, and I remember in that season learning, wow, some of the things that drive me the most nuts about being married to Stephen are <laughs> his greatest assets to me as a wife and as a leader. Yeah. 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 Coming to appreciate it now. So <laughs> gosh, we were all over the yeah. map and we didn't even get into the scriptures yet. I, I think this is going to all tie in. You yeah. had a particular word that you wanted to share. Yeah. Yeah. With us. So why don't you do that? Okay. Well, God has just been teaching me a lot about this idea of confidence lately. Mm-hmm. And I, I chose the word confidence when I was working on my Esther Littlefield website because I wanted to have a kind of tagline and Mm -hmm. I chose leading with confidence and because the scriptures I had been reading and I just, the word kept coming up Mm -hmm. and I just kept thinking the power of a woman who knows who she is in Christ and is able to lead you know, that that's leading with confidence. And, but just over this year, it's, I've been studying it more and more. And so there's a scripture that I love that is one of the ones, if you study this word in the Bible, I love to look up a word and then actually find out what the Greek and Hebrew Mm -hmm. meanings of. And I know you do the same thing um, to just dig a little deeper and really figure out where it comes from. So there's a lot of words in the Bible that are translated as confidence but they're actually different original Greek and Hebrew words, right? So it's kind of cool. So one of them, anyway, one of the scriptures is Philippians 1.6. And it says, I, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that phrase, I am sure of this, is also sometimes translated, I am confident oh, of this. Okay. So... Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, the, but the original Greek word, I, I'm just going to spell it because I don't know how to say it. Okay. P-E-I-T-H-O. And what it can mean is persuade, be persuaded, to trust, to have confidence, and be confident. Mm. And if you look at some of the passages in the Psalms that use the word confident as well, the other way that they can be often translated is trust. Oh. And so for me, that's just been a huge lesson that I've been learning and, and uh, experiencing this year is that being able to be confident is actually being, putting my full trust in God. So it oh. kind of goes back to where we originally began with my story of, Instead of looking to other things or other people to fulfill me or trying to do things in and of myself, because that's the other place I turn is trying Mm -hmm. to control what's going to happen in my life myself. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the opposite of trusting God. (laughs) So, so having confidence is really based on knowing that you can trust that you have trust in God, that you're putting your trust in God for how things are going to turn out. Um, so that's, I mean, I've had to do that in my marriage <laughs> mm-hmm. to trust mm-hmm. even when I haven't known the, the outcome of a situation or, you know, how, how are we going to work through this issue? It's, it's learning to continue to put my trust in God 
and to be confident that he will do what he said he will do. That's awesome because, you know, I have my Bible open here and the beginning of Philippians, I I read through the first chapter in preparation for us Mm -hmm. connecting. And so I'm not only thinking about how you're describing it for you and your marriage, but how Paul in writing those words has set that forth as the example to follow. And yet he will say, don't imitate me, imitate Christ. Yeah. You know, so, so the beginning of this book of Philippians, uh, Paul says he's writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Did you realize that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so may God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I'm just going to read the first paragraph here that leads up to the verse you shared. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Oh, wow. Like just the fact that God told me to give thanks for Stephen and pray mm. that you would have joy. Yeah. So as leaders, following Paul's example, who is it that we could give thanks for and pray that they would receive joy? And, and our first ministry, I'll say this again and again, everywhere I go, our first ministry is, is if we're married, it's to our husband. Yep. If we have children, it's to our children. And then it's beyond. And if we have not been in a place of marriage and not been in a place with children, then there's freedom to go serve anywhere you want to serve. And so for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard of it until now. And so even taking that back, if our husbands are the people that we are giving thanks for and asking that he would give them joy, it's also us remembering that partnership that we have with our spouse and serving the spreading the good news. And, and I think one of the biggest struggles we have as women in leadership is, uh, and where, where the enemy undermines us is with hypocrisy. We, where we have a horrible moment at home with our family and we show up and somebody hands us the microphone to lead a meeting or speak or do an event or put something on. And we're like, here I am, you know, and yet at home, like nobody's loving me right now and I'm not loving anybody else. And so if we don't tend to that at home, the enemy gets a foothold and undermines our confidence, your word in the leadership roles that we are trying to fulfill. Yeah. We just finished a relationship series on my podcast because I feel like healthy relationships and are, are the foundation of leadership. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. in that we talked about basically it starts with having a healthy relationship with God. You can't yeah. have healthy relationships with people if you don't have that foundation with God. But then yeah, it, that's my exact feeling is that if you're in a bad place in your marriage, if you're married or with your kids, if you have kids, it's going to be really hard to lead effectively anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and to be able to build up those healthy relationships at home is so foundational to everything else that we do. Yeah. It will take more effort than anything else we do as too. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's hard to love the people we're with. It's easy to love everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> And yep. it, it just is. And, and I do, let me say this, like we can have healthy marriages and have healthy relationships with our kids and still have horrible moments of conflict right before we're commissioned to go do something. Oh, yes. So, 
Yeah. Because we see it in my family, like before a major speaking event, I'm like, everybody armor up. Like this is. <laughs> yeah. Get your spiritual armor on because yeah. we're going in. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate it when Satan goes after like an attack in a big way, because then we're all like, oh yeah, we're not going to do this because this is not actually of us. This is of the devil. Mm-hmm. It's the little wearing down yeah. pieces that undermine us and undermine our relationships. Yeah, man. So <laughs> then this last part here, uh, good news about Christ from the time you first heard of it until now. Yeah. And I am certain, which you said it can be translated from have trust in confidence yeah. in yeah. that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Yeah. I often say we're works in progress. We're not done because last time I checked, Jesus hasn't returned. Yep. So what we expect of somebody else, we should really release because until Jesus is finished with them, they're not done. And I want the same grace extended to me. Yeah. Right. right. And I think this gives us hope for our marriage and for our leadership, for people that we might be leading because and this is the thing that I, that is my biggest struggle. Like I said, is trying to control the outcome. Yeah. Like I want to do, I want to follow the formula and get the, the right answer. You know, in my marriage, I want to do A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if, you know, if we're both doing A and B, then we should get C. Yeah. And that's just not how relationships work. That's not how faith works, you know? Um, so it gives me hope that, like you said, we're, we're all works in progress. And I have seen since that time in our marriage, when we, when I started deciding, okay, I'm going to stop trying to fix everything else and just do mm-hmm. what I can do for myself mm-hmm. and God <laughs> yep. in this together, I have seen such a transformation in my husband yeah. and I have seen him grow leaps and bounds. And it was when I stopped trying to force him yep. to do things <laughs> and just let God do, yeah. let God do the work. Yeah. But that's really hard to do. But this is encouraging when you think about all the ways that we invest in people as leaders, that ultimately it's, it's up to God how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we have to release, we have to, we, we still need to do what he calls us to do on our end, Yeah, but then release the results to him. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I absolutely hundred percent agree. So how long have you guys been married? We have been married for 16 years. All right. That's a good haul. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're at 22. And I say at seven years was where we were crisis. Mm -hmm. And at 14, we're like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. And there was a lot of counseling that happened. Yeah. For me, I was the one that went through, like you were saying, that seven year to 14 year mark in our marriage was like, God was working on me and I, it was the best thing that could have happened because Stephen, I remember one night we were getting ready to go to bed and he's like, oh, one day I hope God will do as much in me as he's done in you. Wow. And that was a moment where I thought, I, I, it's what you're saying. I don't have to make this happen in his life. Yeah. I just need to make this happen in mine. That will be testimony. Enough. Mm-hmm. I need to continue with my eyes steadfast on you, Lord. Yeah. Not be focusing 
to the left and to the right. And, and we've had more bumps. I mean, we're at 22 years and, and I would say the 21st year, there were some really hard spots and we got ourselves back into counseling and had a couple of sessions and learned new truths about how we needed to do things. Cause when you're, when you're at it for so many years, you tend to have the same pattern of fighting and, and chaos when there's, yeah. <laughs> and, and the, the wearisomeness of like, we're doing this again, you know? And, and I'm like, okay, we need to find a new way to fight. Like, this is not gonna, we can't keep on doing it the same way. And counseling mm-hmm. kind of helped identify some of the core issues that we were dealing with and we're back in a sweet spot again. And so right. not, not, and I, I look at this passage and I think, well, Lisa, you need to remember sweet spots are nice, but suffering is, is the norm. Yeah. And your obedience is to give thanks and to pray for God's work to be done in your husband's life, in the women that you lead, in your children. It's not for you to take over a role of savior. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, so tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So really the best place is estherlittlefield.com. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in um, any of the marriage resources that I have, you can just go to the search bar and just type in marriage and you'll see like all the blog posts that I've written about marriage. I've written a lot about some of these struggles that my husband and I have been through and I have some free resources for marriage on there as well. So, awesome. and I do have some podcast episodes that we talk about marriage too. So if you're looking for those resources, you should find them all on the website. That is awesome. So would you feel comfortable praying us out today? Sure. Okay. Thanks. Lord God, I just thank you so much for every woman listening today. I thank you for this time that uh, Lisa and I have been able to talk about just the way that you've worked in our lives and the way that you've brought healing and restoration, both in our personal experiences and in our marriages. And Lord, I pray for any woman that might be listening who is maybe going through a difficult time right now and is wondering if you're there, wondering if you're there in her marriage, wondering if you have abandoned her. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would give her hope and encouragement through your word, through this scripture that we shared, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would just um, build her up and encourage her today. And I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good. Thank you for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed by our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.